Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough. John Lennon once said, a dream you dream alone is only a dream. A dream you dream together is reality. Join me as we connect dreams to reality by chatting with innovators from around Washington, DC. Our show is proudly sponsored by the DC chapter of the Entrepreneurs Organization. This is the Impactful Leadership Show. Welcome to the Impactful Leadership Show. I'm your host, Greg McDonough, the managing partner at Blackburn Capital Advisors. Today's guest is a leader in the education technology industry, a guest speaker at the Technical University in Berlin, founding member of EdTech Founders Club, the co-founder and CEO of Morsey. You have to correct my pronunciations. Uh, please welcome Sam. And I'm going to mess up your last name, so I'll let you do your last name. <laughs> Very good. So it's Mauricier and it's Sami Benchikwun. So here we go. <laughs> Benchikwun, brilliant. Yours, uh, you're the toughest I've had so far, so I had to punt that back to you. <laughs> it's it's great, to, great to have you on the show. So our podcast is focused on leadership. And my favorite question to ask my podcast guests is, Sammy, tell me about some misconceptions in leadership. Yeah, that's a uh, that's a good one. That's a good one. Uh, I um, let, so I think generally speaking, I think there's three general misconceptions that that that, that come up in my mind. Uh, the, the one that uh, I'm experiencing all the time, and it seems to be a very international one, right? I've moved just from Europe to DC. Uh, uh, so, so the first one is that uh, element of makes all decisions, right? You know, you're you're the leader. You, you need to you need to make you need to make the decision. You know, go ahead and just just do it, right? Um, and, and I think that that is sort of the biggest misconception. And the, the, the smaller the company or the earlier in that process, the more that misconception is present. Uh, and and, and w- once the company gets larger, I think it, the danger of that actually holding true is really high. Uh, so. Uh, how how I see leadership in that regard to just you know, showcase my my view there is to set the guardrails right to put the guardrails and say you know this is the direction that we are going and then within your team take you know make those decisions yourself you know where the vision is that you know let 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 let's 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 get it going uh, the, the the second the second element is 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 about that how do I call it uh, you know that that effect of being hero right that hero myth. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you're sort of the super girl or superman <laughs> on top of a mountain and then <laughs> and then uh, and, and 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 being that power power person uh what what i've experienced so far in, in in the course of my business is really elevating the team right really just putting your team and putting uh, um, putting putting everyone else on, on on top of that mountain, giving sort of giving out those Supergirl and Superman capes, <laughs> but not having it on yourself. Uh, but really being that facilitator, right? So being actually uh, you know in the second row and and and, and guiding the way. And and the last one, uh, the last one, really is something that I didn't understand um, for quite a long time, uh, which is that aspiration of everyone uh, being uh, wanting to be a leader, right? You, you, you know, you, you, those conception of you hire a person and, you know, you talk with that person and say, what are your plans? You know, where do you want to head up? And you have, in most cases, those people that say, well, I'm aspiring to be a good leader. I really want to go that management path um, and, 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 and be that, uh, and, and, and be that, that people's, people's manager. And, and I think that idea of leadership Having many components than just being affiliated to people, um, but being also a leadership that 
that sort of leads by example and leads because she or he does something extraordinary well uh, or is really someone that just masters uh, her or his art is something that is not valued enough, I feel. And I think that the strongest leaders, if you will, just from a leadership perspective at, at Mauricier are those that do not manage people directly, but those that showcase by sort of the day-to-day, you know, showcasing their activities and their abilities on how incredibly their leadership, incredible their leadership is. So, so that's sort of the three aspects um, of, of how, how I would see the biggest misconceptions of leadership. That's great. That's um, really insightful. And I'd love to dig in a little bit further on that first one when you're talking about guardrails and especially for those when you're starting a business, right? You're, you're, you're on your own. You don't have any guardrails, right? You're in full control. Then you start adding a team. You start adding clients. And at some point in time in that leadership journey, as you're growing your business, to your point, you need to just inform the team of where the guardrails are yeah. versus showing them or dictating where the guardrails are. Walk us through some of your journey in that aspect from building your business to where it is today and how you've yeah. changed your sort of your leadership style. Yeah, absolutely. So first of all, I, I must say that I've failed in that activity <laughs> almost <laughs> all the time, right? I think I, you know, we're, we're starting to sort of get it better and better, but I think it's one of the hardest activities and, 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 and I definitely failed a lot in the beginning to get it right because the difficulty that I that I encountered that, um, that, that I, that I you know, still find incredibly hard to assess is that notion of when to hand over ownership, when to give up a, a little bit of your own ownership when you are sort of in the middle of the process. What is the right time to say, well, now I can dare making mistakes because I do feel that it has something to do also to letting go and to letting other people add their, you know, thought process and that adding their ideas to the table. And so that notion of when to let go and when to really manage the process very, very tightly, it, the, the timing question is incredibly 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 hard so w- w- one time when when i feel i did um, not uh, t- too much of a bad <laughs> bad job there was was when i felt that there is sort of a, a beginning repeatability in place right so the moment you say well it's not just a a client by accident um <laughs> which which happens in the beginning a lot you know you get a client you say oh, well how did i get that and then there's the second and sort of came differently. But the moment you see patterns in your clients that you get, um, I feel that's the moment where you can start letting, letting go a little bit and say, all right, nice. Now we sort of found that repeatability and now I can add more people that add maybe creative ways to scale faster or scale differently, more efficiently, whatever it is. Um, but that sort of helped me in, in, in timing that. And then after all, it's all about the people that you hire, right? So uh, it's, it's, a, it's a, talent, a talent question, right? And, and, and also there, I think I've made a lot of mistakes in the, in, in the past where um, I had some thinking about what would be the perfect person in that, in that seat. And, and then I sort of didn't do a good job in assessing the, 
the needs very well and then I put someone else that is in another area of the business excellent but in what I needed in that time really not excellent at all right so it's sort of that match between the job that needs to be done and the person that I need to put in that seat and overlapping that is is, is heavily difficult it's heavily difficult so uh, very very early on I think people with entrepreneurial mindset that you can literally put in many places that can have different hats on is is, is always is always helpful but they're very hard to find Certainly. Have you, over your experience, picked up any tricks in that matchmaking process, either <laughs> from the interview questioning or as you manage people? Or talk to us about like things that you've learned that help have helped you with that matchmaking process. Yeah. yeah. So th- th- my general rule of thumb that I'm applying now more and more is is quite frankly the more time I spend in the recruiting process and me personally. The, the, the better I can assess the, 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 the person. So in other words, when I basically do something that is a little bit, uh, um, a little bit against what I feel I need to focus on and focus on, on, on growing the business, getting more clients and really just heads down and just executing, at least in the beginning of the company, um, I realized that the, the, the more I spend in the actual recruiting process, the better the talent. So it's sort of that nuance of saying, well, I need to take one step back or take it a little bit slower in order to assess talent properly that then fit into that seat versus what I did several times. I stayed in that execution modus and I stayed in my thinking of, I need to win the next client. I need to win the next client. I need to get to the next funding round or whatever it is and just look very quickly or tell our CV, check, check, check. Neither might be a good fit. (laughs) Let's let's try it out. And and unfortunately, it rarely worked. So spending time in that talent, um, with, with new talent and really working with that talent and really confronting with the challenges that one has is, is a high priority, really time spent. And I have a couple of friends that, um, that did something that I never, never dared to do, but I, at some point I want to try it out, is spending time with the, the, the talent in, in like a one, two, three day workshop character. So you really invite people and say, well, let's work together on, that, on these challenges in order to find out how we work together and if you are actually a fit for the challenges that I have. So I think that there is a correlation between time invest um, and quality or, you know, matchmaking between the challenge and the person. That's very, very well said. You know, when you think about mistakes that we've made in recruiting and hiring talent, it's always around those times that we were distracted by clients or shareholders or some other. And the talent is actually more important. Right. Yeah. More of our time yeah. should be focused on our talent development than our yeah. client development. Yeah. Yeah. No, I fully, I couldn't agree more because, and it's, it's something that I'm, I, I, I'm still in the process of really understanding, right? So that element of culture, that element of team assessment, the element of talent acquisition, it needs to be really the most of the time that one spends as the founder of the company, as the CEO of the company, needs to be around the people, needs to be around the people. And it is, 
when and I remember back to the time when I started the company, I didn't feel that way. I thought very much it's the money that comes in that needs to be my number one priority. But that doesn't scale. That is a model that you know lets you stick to to a one man or one woman show because you are the only person that drives change and that. So if you, you know, don't get the right talent on board, that then drives change so that you can focus sort of on the next level of the company, nothing will really happen. And I have a couple of, of, of sort of a couple of idols, if you will, in you know, other founders that scaled their companies to, to insane heights. Um, and and uh, when talking to them, uh, repeatedly you hear it's the talent. It's how you mm. manage that. How do you hire? How do you fire? You know, who do you hire at what point? How fast do you? That is quintessential for the success of the company. And 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 I, I you know, they were much smarter than I am. They're fellow EO people, by the way, <laughs> much smarter than, than than I am. So I'm, you know, start getting into that thinking um, and into that mindset. Um, but uh, now, you know, realizing it. We emphasize a lot on it at Mauricie, and it, you know it, we can really tell how, that things are being moved forward much, much, much faster and much better. It's interesting. Your response there really feeds into the second misconception that you brought up when you're talking about being the hero or the top of the yeah. pyramid. And as the business develops, at some point in time, you're you're not on the top. Like you're really on the, it's still the same pyramid because there's only one person or one small yeah. team, but now the, the tip of the pyramid is at the bottom. Yeah. And as a leader, you're supporting your entire team. Yeah. What, is there a certain phase in sort of, in an entrepreneurial journey or a business life cycle that you've seen that flip happen? Yeah. Yeah, I, I need to I need to think a little bit about that one because it's a it's a tough one to assess. I think that there is not that one answer to that because it really depends a little bit what kind of business you are. Um, there are B two B businesses with massive sales cycles that need to focus on different elements in the earlier stages. Then there is B two C um, companies that have a much higher velocity where you need certain other people at certain times. So you have agency models where you have yet another set of um, uh, sort of time frames. So I think it depends heavily on on what kind of business you are. What I do feel is a general truth is is that um, the the moment you hit sort of that you know the, the, you you add management layer. So the, the moment you hit sort of that time frame where you are not managing pe- like execution-driven uh, operators, but when you start managing managers, um, and then they start managing them again, managers, that that pivot changes the dynamic dramatically, and and and, and I think that the moment you have that you know these the cycles, you know you manage people that manage other people that then manage the moment that the layer gets more complex that's the moment i feel you need to really think about that hero myth if you will that that element of who can drive a you know who can drive big topics internally forward and who can be that hero who you can enable 
who you can put on that mountain with the super women or superman uh, you know cape on um who can then drive things forward um so i think that's it before if you manage people that are operators um i think you still drive a lot yourself um so in our case it was around the you know 50 60 people mark where we saw that there is a there is a little bit of a shift happening in 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 perception and now that we're now double the size we see another flip if you will so there's yet another emphasis on that on that on that here element so we see that there is different stages in 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 the company and different needs in there interesting so digging a little bit deeper into your team and your business talk to us about what your business does how you got into yeah. <laughs> your industry and what what was the random walk that ended you where you are today <laughs> it's, a, it's a special industry because it's sort of that it's that let's say non obvious problem so one of our first investors says i love you guys but i love you because you're tackling a non obvious problem <laughs> so 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 we're in the, in, in the business of non obvious problems so the the pitch that i that i that i that i do is um to mosi first of all is a platform uh, for the scholarly industry so every institution society company that deals with scientific content and scientific data uh they can use our platform to manage from end to end their entire flow we do quality assessment we support in exchanging data and content we support with virtual and hybrid events uh for you know community building we support in uh, publishing scientific and, and and academic content um so it's it's a very you know it's a very integrated um um uh, platform i would even say infrastructure play uh, for for that for that industry and and how i entered in there is is i think it was 6 years ago when i um stumbled upon something that uh, is called scientific and academic conferences and if you look at scientific and academic conferences um you see a structure that is basically stuck in the 50s or 60s you have something that is called paper posters so literally paint, printed out papers that you put on the wall where scientists summarize their findings and exchange on the conference and, and discuss at the conference what they have found and it's a paper poster printed on the wall that's an international phenomenon and then on the other hand you have basically overhead projectors right and i say overhead projectors because presentation unfortunately are slide by slide by slide by slide that you could do as well on an overhead projector so you have basically you know written stuff on a one page paper no multimedia no nothing so you have paper and you have overhead projector <laughs> at conferences and they're supposed to showcase rocket science oncology research hiv research covid research right the 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 state of the art stuff is presented on posters and on overhead projectors so when i understood that i sort of thought oh wow there's you know it seems to be the only place that is not hit by digital innovation and that is not hit by sort of uh, uh, you know it infrastructure if you will um so that was the starting point the realization that there is still a dark place <laughs> where where connectivity uh, is is not really there um and we really felt the urge to basically say well wait a second there there is an opportunity to to create that internet moment right that inter- that moment of not connected to connected in a world that actually touches all of us right 
And science is sort of the foundational piece for everything that we do day in day. Everything, you know, our computers is just a scientific miracle. Uh, all the you know drugs and and and, and the cures and vaccines and so on has its roots in science, but it's not yet in that digital space when it comes to the communication. And that's where we say, hey, there's a huge opportunity for us. Um, and we want to tackle it. Uh, back then, we were very naive to not understand that it's a highly complex industry. And that was the reason why it wasn't digitized yet. But we're getting there now. <laughs> so that's fascinating. Um, what were you doing when you had that discovery? Were you running this business and then turned in that and doing something different or something in the IT space, tech space, and then saw that opportunity and turned or were like, how did like give, give us the background of, of, cause clearly you had to have had your eyes and ears open for this and yeah. have the technical expertise to do yeah. it. So yeah. you know, the years leading up to that, what were you, what were you involved in? Yeah. So I think that there's two two dynamics, two 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 very very important things that that sort of happen to, if you will, bio, biographical bio, biographical accidents, uh, um, that that led to where where we are now. One is uh, both of my parents are um, are doctors and they are very scientifically sort of sound and and. and Almost uh, instead of going into a career in 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 in, in medicine, they 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 were doing a lot of science, right? Um, but my parents are coming from third world countries, right? So my mother is from Poland and my father is from Morocco. So the this this notion of accessibility of science was sort of always very present. This this idea of saying, well, if you if you are lucky and you're born in a in a Western country in a, and and you're born in a in an, in a surrounding where you can get access to knowledge quite easily by you know just going into the library because most libraries in the states or in western europe they are very sophisticated you see everything I and mean, the university are well equipped right but in poland and morocco is definitely not the case right it's it's or back then it definitely wasn't the case so this notion of the accessibility of content and and, and knowledge we discussed as a family quite often already so mm -hmm. that you know. and then there is the second dynamics which is I was always a computer geek, and I I did uh, um, did some freelance work for for an for an agency that would uh, work for infrastructure um, um, challenges on conferences. So they were very niche oriented, you know, how to build networks um, structures on conferences, how to connect the halls with one another, how to create sort of. Uh, you know all the IP address stuff, and so I I I worked for them and. Um, that gave me the opportunity to travel around and to actually see those conferences, those scientific conferences, uh, in a, in a real in a real life. And and that combination of knowing a little bit about it through my parents, but then being on those conferences and really seeing, oh, wow, this, you know, this is this is antiquated. Um, was 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 sort of the dynamic for me to say, all right, I've got to do something. That's wonderful. It's, it is always interesting how the the stars line up and guide us to wherever we are. And yeah. it, it, it's always a mystery of, of, of life, I guess. I, I fully agree. And, and it, it, it sort of continued also in our journey. 
on how I met my first investor who believed in us because this is like, an, again, a non-obvious problem, right? I, by accident, was at that conference then and spoke to someone who then knew this other person by accident and, and then connected us and then stars aligned that we happened to be in London at the same time. There are so many things where I say, well, you know, what, what's happening here? This can't be true, but, but it sort of all came together one by one and uh, and and retro so sort of the hindsight is i think you can create that serendipity right you can you can create those moments of where 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 luck lucky co coincidences are just happening um and 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 that's i feel by doing right so now in in retrospective i just look at that little stars aligning moment well quite frankly we did so many things around it that we just don't <laughs> you know that we try to forget because it was a lot of failure on the way and then that one moment was was a success and that brought us sort of forward so i i think that um it's it's a matter also of inner attitude right do you want you know to succeed and then you look for it as you said right and, and then it seems like the stars align but there's a lot of inner ambitions that need to come is just sitting in a in you know at home doesn't really doesn't really move the needle right <laughs> so sammy shifting gears just a slightly you'd mentioned you've taken on investor money uh, i suspect we've got audience members who are running their business contemplating taking on outside investment any words of advice to founders business owners who yeah. are contemplating taking outside funding I, I, we could spend, I think, the entire afternoon just talking about that. Uh, <laughs> but when just boiling every down, I think that um, uh, the most important uh, experience or the most important learning that I've had is to make a conscious decision based on a very clear need. Um, the, the way I looked at venture funding and venture capital in, in, in the back was always, you know, that's just the only way, right? You know, you want to scale that venture, venture capital, right? There's just that one. So I was romanticizing, if you will, that idea of getting venture capital on board. But very clearly speaking, it's sort of, it's just one way of financing among a gazillion of others. So the, the company that I would found in, in the future, um, the way I would approach it is to really, first of all, understand what I want to achieve, right? Because there's many models to success, right? You, can, you, can, you don't need to take venture capital in order to succeed the business. So it needs to be, there needs to be a need. Um, and, 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 it's, and it's, it's not often that, that this need arises, right? Do you have a scalable business uh, that really scales fast in a massive market, right? It, you know, all those questions you need to ask yourself very deliberately uh, and be not blinded by that romantic idea to have suddenly 10 million or 20 or 30 or 100 million on the bank account that you can then freely spend because that's definitely not how it works. Uh, um, so the need must be there. And then I think the, 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 the you know, the, the, the other point there is, you, you've got to have a business that works and that can be repeated and that can sort of scale on the basis of a lot of money because um, spending wrongly is very easy. Spending mm -hmm. right and, 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 and deploying capital in an efficient way 
so that the business scales is 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 a tough thing. So um, and 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 what I say, too much money on the account doesn't help in spending correctly. Um, if you business that do not that does not take venture capital, it's much 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 easier to make a right investment decision because you're limited in in, in, in in cash. So there's many, many things, and I would always go for it in a very conscious way um, because it's not always the path to go, De- definitely, but by far not. That's great. That's great advice. So looking forward, um, what has you excited about your industry, your business? Talk to us about yeah. what you're looking looking to get into in the next couple of years. Yeah. Oh, uh, you know what? I think so. I, that, that's a great question, and and the answer is we, I'm so in, insanely excited about the industry, and there's many reasons for that. The, the the recent, just the recent weeks and and the recent month sort of emphasize uh, the 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 necessity and the need for me to be in that industry, and I, I'm so passionate about that industry. Right? I, I'm going to give you a couple of examples. So first of all. Um, first of all, we are acting in a rather conservative industry, right? We act with scientific societies, with institutions, you know, a little bit larger institution. We sometimes work with governments and, and, and large R&D heavy industries. So it's more slow, slow moving in, in the past. COVID accelerated that thinking mindset, that mindset of saying, well, wait a second, we need to have a digital agenda, right? We need to have sort of a, 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 an idea on, 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 on how we move forward, on how we innovate, uh, how we innovate in, in terms of communication, how we innovate in terms of, um, in, in terms of internal processes. So the last two, three years was just a revolution for that industry because everybody started thinking about it. And I was fortunate enough that we have built our brands also before COVID, so people knew that we're in that space. And the, the, the quality of conversations that I've had just skyrocketed. And I was so fortunate to be at the right time, at the right place. Again, you know, stars aligned, if you will. Um, but it was very, very fortunate. And, and the richness of the conversation and the aspiration of the people in that industry has never been as high as I, as I observe them now. So that's definitely one thing that I'm incredibly excited about. The second element is um, in, in the industry of scientific communication, there is sort of that huge dynamic around open access, open science, getting access to scientific output in an open way that started 20 years ago or something like that, but accelerated massively over COVID and through political mandates. Just last Thursday, the White House released a new statement of an open science, open access mandate which is an, a pivotal moment in the industry. Um, and, and I'm so happy to be at, at that time in, in DC, quite frankly. I'm just, you know, two stone throws away from, from the White House uh, and who released such an important statement, which brings a new challenge to the industry, right? The industry now needs to rethink their entire business models, right? Everything that hold, held true for the last almost 100 years need to be completely overthought, Right. So suddenly 80, 90% of the revenue that, that the industry made needs to be overthought, needs to be completely turned upside down and there needs to be a whole new uh, dynamic around innovation and technology will play an important role in that. So the timing currently and the, the, the things that will happen in, in the future are absolutely incredible. And again, just a 
perfect timing for us to be present with a solid platform, with something that supports for exactly these challenges. And the third is that element of, um, of, of um, let's say, organizing scientific data. The fact that we organize, and that's sort of our slogan, organizing early stage research that we then, you know, that we had from conferences, puts us into the position to look a little bit ahead, right? And I, and I give you an example. Scientific processes typically take three, four, five years, right? You have a, you have a long year of scientific process, and at the end, you have a patent or a published output, a published article. Everything that happens in between is not organized yet. That's exactly where we are looking into. So if you think about it, today on our platform, there are topics, abstracts, posters, presentations in a digital form that will at some point be very relevant uh, in terms of a published article, in terms of a paper. So looking back uh, in the times of COVID, half a year earlier, um, before the vaccines, the first vaccines came out, we already had a discussion on COVID vaccines on our platform because we supported the relevant society that actually would have massive impact onto the, these vaccinations. So abstracting that and looking ahead and seeing, oh, wow, scientists publish or share the things that they're working on now already and on the platform. So we have a window into the future. So making sense out of that, being able to assess it, understanding on how to prioritize, where to say, well, this could be relevant and maybe that not so much. Being able to steer a little bit what will be important in the future. You know, that just, you know, I, I get goosebumps just thinking about it. And it really, everything when I wake up in the morning, that's what I'm thinking about is that element of, um, uh, and, and it comes back to the first statement that I made, uh, accelerating scientific breakthroughs. How can we be helpful in getting rid of cancer? How can we be helpful of getting rid of uh, HIV? And, and, and how can we be helpful in accelerating that process by looking a little bit into the future? So that you know, excites me just day in, day out. Wow. You've got my hairs in the back of my neck standing up. That is fascinating to think about using the current research, the current drafts to come up with conclusions of where science yeah. will be uh, in the upcoming years. Yeah. Wow, that's that's a mind blown. Uh, Sammy, it's been great having you on the show. I uh, appreciate all your insights. Um, where, can, where can audience members find you? On yeah. LinkedIn, email? Yeah, so I'm, I'm very present on LinkedIn. So very happy, uh, you know, reach out on LinkedIn. I have a Twitter handle. So LinkedIn Sammy Benchikun, just my very difficult to pronounce name. <laughs> <laughs> um, and on Twitter at Sami BLN, S-A-M-I-B-L-N. Um, and then otherwise also, I'm always up for coffee. <laughs> I love these, uh, these connections. I'm uh, right in the city center of DC uh, um, and uh, always happy to get to, get, to grab a coffee. Wonderful. I'll definitely take you up on that coffee. Perfect. Great to, have you, great to have you on the show, Sammy. Thank you so much for inviting me. Thank you so much. And that's a wrap, my friends. Thank you for spending your time with me. For show notes and other episodes, visit us at impactfulleadershipshow.com. One last food for thought. Walk on with hope in your heart and you'll never walk alone.